In this episode of the Phantom Jukebox, we begin our second to last episode of the season with Mayhem. What is black metal? Who was Mayhem? And why do they have such a presence in the genre? We begin part one of our season finale with possibly our most brutal story yet. And we're live. Welcome to the Phantom Jukebox. I'm Ty Lindsay. And I'm Joe Shannon. And we're two musicians that dive into the world of music, their myths, conspiracies, and bizarre music history. You can find our back catalog on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Podbean, Good Pods, anywhere that has any streaming plat- major streaming platform. And uh, if that platform has a rating feature like stars and especially reviews, if you could leave us one, you know, tell us what you think about the show. Tell us any future, you know, Stories you'd like us to cover later on, or uh, happy Halloween. Yeah, or talk to us on social media. Our Twitter is Phantom Jukebox underscore. Facebook is Phantom Jukebox. Instagram is Phantom Jukebox Podcast. And we are also on TikTok at Phantom Jukebox Podcast. So uh, this is our second to last episode of season one. Woohoo! It's just crazy to think we've been at this for a year already. Jeez. Uh, That's and crazy. we've, yeah, and we've picked a doozy here. Like this, this two-parter, um, I, I think I've said it before on some episodes leading up to this. I've had this episode picked for at least three years. I was like, I know this episode is going to be for Halloween. I didn't know if it was going to be a two-parter or not. I knew it was going to be a, at least a long episode. Yeah. But I've had mayhem on the brain. Like I knew it was going to be Elvis or Robert Johnson and then mayhem. Were the only two predetermined episodes of the Phantom Jukebox, even kind of before it was a, a called Phantom Jukebox. So what started it all is what we're ending the first season with. I love it. Pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, Dakota put it in an interesting way. It's like this kind of story, maybe not for its graphic nature, but for just just the. In, I, you don't hear this. I mean, if maybe if you were you know from the 90s, you would have heard some of this, but like. I, you know, why don't people talk about this more? Mm. So many crazy things happened. And it's kind of just like what, what this show's about to dig up all this really cool history to keep it, you know, to keep it circulating and to bring it back. It. Uh, so just a little bit of, um, this is a graphic episode. Both episodes are, I'm just going to calling it now. Uh, this is not a kid friendly episode. Or warning you people at home listening now. No shame if you're, uh, if you, if you, you know, you can't, you don't like gore and stuff like that. That's perfectly understandable. It's about to get spooky. Beyond that. Hell yeah. Beyond that for sure. So <laughs> warning, this is, this is a graphic episode and it does feature a suicide later on. So with that, we like to put out there that they're the mental health resources in, in the, uh, Sorry, the mental health resources like hotline and stuff. So if you text home to 741741, you can connect with the crisis counselor if need, uh, connect with a crisis, crisis counselor if needed. 
and the uh, SAMHSA's national helpline, 1-800-662-4357, is a hotline you can reach 24 hours a day, 365. It's free. It's confidential. Um, and it provides, uh, you know, options you know gives you a counselor if you're in a really dark place if you're in like a a scary frame of mind yeah you don't know what to do 1-800-662-4357 get the help this it's a it plays a big part especially towards the end of this episode which you know this death influences part two obviously but uh yes so before we get into a crazy i don't know if i'm gonna call it a fun crazy story but it is a crazy story definitely if you're in a dark headspace get the help you're worth yep. it there's no shame there is no absolutely no shame in that you're absolutely worth it please take care of your you know your mental state it's like a it was described to me like any any kind of like mental you know kind of like your dark psyche like if you have like those kind of dark thoughts it's kind of like your your mental state being wounded, you know, like being mm, hurt, like yeah. a physical wound, like you would treat a, you know, a pulled muscle of some kind. So you need to treat your brain. Like you need yeah. to, you need to keep everything, you know, flowing and running as smoothly as possible. So take care of, take care of the gray as much as you take care of everything else. Mm. So with that, Joe, how much do you know about the band Mayhem and the Norwegian black metal scene? Um, I know of the genre of like black metal, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the face paint, the uh, graphic imagery and uh, their album artwork, their stage presence, the, basically everything about bands that are really deep into that uh, genre. But as far as Mayhem, the Mayhem, the band, I don't really know anything about them. Well, I'm about where you were, uh, I, or now. I, I don't. I never really listened to the genre. I did try uh, for the research of this, and I made it about two songs. <laughs> mm. uh, not uh, not any kind of like Prince Midnight type deal, where it's just unlistenable. But uh, it, it's it is an acquired taste for sure. Like uh, Silosis is no lightweight in in music. It, it's some pretty yeah. heavy stuff. But yeah. I think even I was thinking about this last night and even as heavy as Silosis, which I'm a fanboy for as heavy as they are, there's still some like beauty in it. There's, yeah, there's melodies tucked away in there and there's moments of just punching the concrete type brutality, uh, just amazing riffs, but there, but underneath that, or eventually it will give way to a really well thought out pretty melody or yeah. Yeah. it's it's nice for the ear if you like to if you listen to that mm-hmm. so but black metal i i don't find those things me personally i don't i don't notice the things i enjoy about you know death metal even which i'm not i don't really follow death metal as much either but i yeah i, I couldn't really find that in black metal yeah i got i got some uh black metal like splink, sprinkled throughout but it's definitely not a genre that i will just listen to by itself (laughs) it is an acquired taste yeah so first let's learn about what is the genre black metal so black metal dates back to the early 1980s and which is called the the genre's like first wave was in the 80s uh and they say it kind of it began with the band venom okay 
So the genre is actually named after one of their albums called Black Metal. Oh. Uh, it took the name from one of the Venom song Mayhem and Mercy. Uh, the black and black metal is likely being an association with Satan or darkness because that's a Venom uh, has a lot of like occult satanic lyrics throughout it. Mm. And uh, that, that's my interpretation of that's a, a lot of the things I read. I couldn't get like a straightforward definition. They, they could describe it, but which I have that here, but they, they don't really go into where certain, you know, where does the black, what does that mean? Where did that come from? Other than it came from, a Venom song. Oh, okay. But kind of through context, I'm putting together that it's, uh, you know, it's coming from nihilism, satanic occult stuff, like the black art, you know, black mystic arts kind of thing. Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's the best I can describe it anyway. Uh, musically, it's a subgenre of heavy metal. Uh, it has fast tempos, shrieked vocals, usually, and highly distorted guitars, double kick drumming, and unconventional song structure. Often the lyrics often emphasizing anti-religious or misanthropic themes. So pretty nihilistic, uh, not mm-hmm. a big fan of God, Jesus, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And not, I mean, there's not a hundred percent of anything, but the majority of the genre is described as such. So there's always outliers. Uh, but uh, in this case, that is how they described it. I would love to see like a contemporary Christian black metal band. You know what? I bet you that exists. <laughs> and now I want to see it too. The high pitch, the screaming about, uh, thank you, Jesus. Reach out your hand. That's just, that's not even like black metal. That's just, that's just a like eighties hair band, bad hair metal. Yeah. yeah nitro. I bet you that exists and I am, I am down for it. I would, I would love it. Mm. I, I want to see that. <laughs> My day won't be complete. What, what would the band be called? I mean, black Sabbath already taken, but that's pretty spot on. <laughs> I mean, something of that. Genre. <laughs> uh, so Another thing that you find in these bands is they'll usually adopt some kind of stage persona, at least the first and second waves that I've seen. I know there, I know there's a band called Immortal um, Behemoth, I think is a black metal band, mm. but they have names like Gorgoth. Um, is there, yeah, they have like a cool stage names. Oh yeah. Usually uh, named after like a, a, a demon prince of hell. Yeah. Yeah. Usually I, w- I wonder, I wonder if it's kind of like, metal bands now where it's really, really tough to find a name that's not taken yet. Oh, I bet. <laughs> Darn Bahamut's like John Smith <laughs> 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 has a phone book full of belly <laughs> Belagors. If they all had like a Facebook page, it'd be like, Oh, let me find a Beelzebub. Oh, there's 30. Oh, uh, uh, what city do you live in? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta give me something to work with don't get me started on the lucifers in the area the morning stars but uh, you can put behind any first name what do you mean and make it sound evil and um, just make it sound cool that's true uh, hello my name is bob morningstar <laughs> 
I will be your accountant. Richard. Richard Morningstar. Dick Morningstar. Dick Morningstar. <laughs> <laughs> Took me a second. Just call me Woody. Uh, so these genres would also often have uh, face paint that go along with it. Oh yeah, usually white and black, but sometimes that will that will vary in different ways. Um, and we will come to learn about that later. I actually, have one of the earlier instances, or possibly the earliest instance of said face paint in the nineties, nineteen nineties. It is uh, yeah, like it would be in the eighteen nineties. I'm sorry for needing to clear. <laughs> oh yes. Mayhem in the 1890s, turn of the century. So in the 90s, it produced some of the most acclaimed and uh, influential artists in extreme metal. And it attracted massive media attention when it was revealed that members had been responsible for two murders and a wave of church burnings in Norway. Oh. So, you know, the, the kind of joke where it's like, oh, they, you know, they go hard in Norway. They burn churches. No, they burn churches. In Norway. Wow. Uh, Damn. Yeah, that, that, that happens... Later on, like more in, I think, part two. That's a bit a ways away from uh, just hurling meat at your audience. Well, there's a little bit of that, too. You don't want to leave black mm. metal out of the uh, okay. getting people very, very sick. So, yeah, don't kick black metal out of the deli section. They're there, no, too. The deli section. <laughs> just the guy with white and black paint, spiked bracelets, and a jean vest walks up. Look. Walks up to a, to a deli counter. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. I need about 45 pounds of prosciutto. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm making a lot of sandwiches. Prosciutto was the thing on my mind, too. I don't know why. It's a fun word and delicious. Oh, it's a condom meat. Oh, what? A condom meat. A condiment meat. You know, that might not be the best abbreviation of words. You might want to (laughs) just... You might just want to suck it up and uh, just just say the whole two words. (laughs) Just... Power through it. So now let's learn about mayhem. We've covered black metal as a genre. We kind of sort of know, at least on paper, what it's supposed to sound like. Yes. But who was mayhem? And I've heard of them before, uh, not in any kind of detail, but I knew that they were a band and I knew something dark had happened with that band. Mm. And then I found out how dark and then it just keeps going. Hey. So Mayhem is a Norwegian black metal band formed in Norwegian word in 1984. It's L-A-N-G-H-U-S, like Langus. Oh, and for the purpose of this, when we get to the, the, the main cast of characters here, I'm going to be referring, I'll mention what their real names are the best I can. But yeah. for reasons starting with Norwegian vowels and ending with, I am not very good at that. Yeah, uh, we're just going to we're going to stick with their chosen stage names because I think they would have preferred that anyway. There's some things you just can't say without doing a horribly stereotypical accent. And we don't want to go there. No, no, we don't. No, we don't. So yeah, I there's only so much Swedish chef somebody can take. And that's not even accurate. So, yeah, for most of the people in this story anyway. So, yes, I will be referring to the characters as their <laughs> their their Satan given stage name. <laughs> oh, uh, they were one of the founders of the Norwegian black metal scene. So the, I, they, they're from the second wave, I believe. They're not of the, they didn't start it. Venom is kind of accredited with a few other bands that kind of started what became black metal. Okay. But uh, 
Mayhem were of the they they were like the Metallica of black metal, basically. Like they're just I get Metallica, like that is one one sign that you've made it because it is just a frame of reference of like, oh, how big are they? Um, you understand Metallica, right? Yeah. Yeah, that big. Yeah. But in terms of black metal, we're not talking like stadiums here. We're talking and it's going to come up in some of the conversations we're going to have later of just some of the places they played. And it's like, oh, yeah, I kind of know what that feels like. Yeah. It's not the it's not uh, the Ritz or uh, a big music hall. It is a some. Uh, if I don't know, some of the dingiest places we're going to find out later. In uh, 1984, Mayhem was founded by guitarist. Uh, oof. Oh, Ostein Arseth, who's known as Euronymous, thank God. Hmm. Bassist Jorn Stubber, Stub, Stubrunt, Necro Butcher, and drummer Mannheim. I can't even, it's KJ Keitel Mannheim. He didn't have a, he didn't have yep. a stage name, so we're just going to call him Mannheim. This lineup would mostly, they began with like cover songs of uh, Venom, Black Sabbath, Motorhead. And then later recorded their first demo, Pure Fucking Armageddon. Just that's nice. What it, that's what it's called. Hell yeah. After Pure Fucking Armageddon, uh, after that was released, uh, Euronymous, who, yeah, Euronymous, uh, who was saying vocals along with uh, Necro Butcher, uh, they would eventually get two session musicians because they wanted, they wanted to, it began as like, okay, we're just going to do, you know, we're just going to wing it. And do what we can, which a lot of bands find themselves in that situation. Yeah. You want to write music and you don't want to wait for those members to, you know, to show up because you don't know when they're going to get there. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, you just, uh, so you just wing it, you do what you can. That's a, eventually mayhem would bring on, um, Eric Norheim, who would be called Messiah and Sven, Eric, Christine (laughs) maniac in 1986, 1987. Uh, they, um, throughout those that year, they would have those two session musicians. Um, Messiah would perform vocals only for one concert, and then in uh, '85 he would quit after a show and ski. So then Maniac was kind of now their okay their main vocalist, and they would record with him too. In 1987, Mayhem released its first EP called Death Crush, and uh, they released it through Euronymous's newly formed label. Uh, poser corpse music some of the names in this wow yeah i mean this is gonna this is gonna kind of be a shot i'm sorry but i fucking hate the the black metal aesthetic oh really nothing against its players nothing against uh, the musicians just the stylistically as a graphic designer i hate it Um, but yeah, no, I can't, uh, just me personally, and this is just me personally, I can't stand the look of it. And I also can't stand the fucking names, the titles. I, I think the names are pretty cool. I, I wouldn't do it for me personally, but I, I can, I can appreciate where they're coming from. I, 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 I mean, they're, it. they're fine. I wouldn't fucking do it, but it's their fun. <laughs> I mean, I know what you mean. Yeah, it was just yeah, sounded funny. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry for giving you a hard time. 
yeah. So uh, Poser Corpse Music is his label. And that kind of goes out for a bunch of upcoming bands. Really, really vet record labels because this guy, Euronymous, is not some big high roller guy. Mm. He is he is just some dude <laughs> who said, I have a record company now. <laughs> he called it something fucking stupid. And now he's a record producer. He owns a record company, right? You know, who needs to go get an LLC? I just have a company now. What are taxes other than like what? A four letter word, <laughs> five letter word. I think it's funnier if he thinks it's a four letter, four letter word. <laughs> so yeah. So really this is my advice for future bands out there. Just really be careful with that. Really, really be careful. Which I mean, and nowadays we have Google. I mean, there's a right. lot of times I've gotten calls and I've gotten emails from places that I literally just type in my phone on Google. Like, Hey, the business name scam question mark. Yeah. And most of the time, if it's a scam, I can find out pretty quickly. Yeah. You get an email. It just takes a couple seconds to like, you know, check the source. And if you see a janky website, <laughs> nope. And then move on. Yeah. So uh, back to this. So they would release death corpse through Poser Corpse music. And they, in the initial 1000 copy release of death crush actually sold out. Mm. So they did their release actually did pretty good. It might be an extreme form of music, but Norway goes hard. By oh the way. yeah. Oh yeah. So it's kind of obscure more so in the States, especially if you've not really heard about it, but in Norway, they know exactly what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, this is a bigger deal over there. It's, it's, it was a bigger deal in nineties to where some rando guy with some shit called poser corpse music released a thousand copies of his homemade album that was recorded like shit. And they sold all 1000 copies. Wow. So I'm not talking that's like, he's not driving a Bentley, but there was a, certainly a market for what they were doing. If there's anyone in Norway listening, uh, let us know if it's still like that in Norway, because if so, uh, we might be easy listening in Norway, but it is good. <laughs> you uh, know? Uh, I'm, I'm, I might head over to Norway if we <laughs> if we got a better chance over there. We've got good beards. I think we could make it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, kind of a this is kind of a first getting into a little bit more of the gory side. Okay, it's kind okay. of like an appetizer for bit of the gory side to come the sample platter Here yeah we go. by the way this is the sample platter for what we're getting into so graphic warning three two graphic so fun fact the death crush album art is an image of severed hands with the band's logo on a on a blood red background like literally just a square picture of severed hands on like a clothesline oh on a red background with with death crush written on it like realistic uh yeah it's a photo of severed hands oh so and uh i was gonna say if that was like drawn or animated then that actually like holding up the band logo like that'd be pretty cool that would be cool uh but no it is uh so a lot of what we're gonna hear about there's a lot of pretentious bullshit baked into Mm. the imagery that gets used and uh being brutal for the sake of being brutal like Metal out, Metalocalypse probably seems like would have seemed more like a serious show at the time. Wow, ready to be brutal, you know? It's it's that idea. So no, they're actual severed hands, and I, I have um, 
more on that later in a second, but um, well, real quick, the, uh, the cutoff hands are from, let's see what this is. So it was the picture. I, I looked it up and what I found was that I, I don't know if it's the title, but it's described as cutoff hands on uh, exhibition in Mauritania, which is in Africa. And it's an, basically what would happen is like colonists would cut the hands off of slaves for some transgression of some kind and put it on display and be like, that could be you. Oh, and they took that picture and put it on their metal album. So that, that image was like floating around. I guess it was a God famous image. Damn. It's a real image of somebody's real hands because they probably died. Cause it doesn't even look like, you know, not that you would, you know, not that it, <laughs> I, I, you know, whatever, like, it didn't look like they did a really clean job of cutting the hands off, by the way. This wasn't like a, a surgical. No, no. Uh, this was like uh, probably a semi dull machete of mm. some kind. Right. Uh, right. And if you're lucky in that situation, maybe they get through in two. Oh, could you imagine? Oh, so that's pretty fucking metal. <laughs> that's that's pretty heavy. It's heavy, but it leads into our, is, it leads into our uh, our topic ooh. coming up. Uh, fun fact about the the imagery, though, because 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 of the graphic nature of the album artwork, uh, the uh, the printing company was supposed to, it was supposed to be blood red, you know, yeah, yeah, but the printing company, to spite them, because I guess they didn't really like what was going on, made it hot pink. Oh boy! They made it. They made it hot pink. They, you know, it was supposed to be like a basically a black and white picture on red. So it was now a black and white picture on pink, and uh, they didn't write Euronymous's name over his head. You know, like you know, because you open up, you have pictures of the band or whatever. Yeah. They didn't write Euronymous's name on any of the sleeves, so he had to go back and by hand with a marker. Oh. And handwrite Euronymous a thousand times. So they're signed. I suppose you could look at it that way. God. So, yeah. That would suck. So testing out a little, you know, this is a coming into the first of a uh, experimental segment. Oh, for us. oh, we're ready for the segment. Yes. Here uh, we go. New the, segment. The running segment title is hot takes. I apologize. Yeah. That, that is without the mixing magic of Kenny Grooms. So I, <laughs> uh, I, I thought of it and I wanted it. And we'll, we'll have something proper for season two. But I was like, I want it. I just want it. And just, I made that about an hour ago. So conversation topic. Okay. Is it okay to use this kind of imagery? I mean, at the end of the day, you're doing this to make money. Mm. Aside from all your agendas and you know, the message you're trying to convey with the album and blah, 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 blah. At the end of the day, you want whatever you're going to make from that album to buy food or things for yourself. It's about making money in the end. Mm. Therefore, as not a political movement, uh, not human rights, you're a, you're a metal band or an artist trying to make money for no other reason than to make money. Is it okay to use an imagery imagery of such significance. Um, my example is uh, Rage Against the Machine and the Burning Monk from their mm. self-titled debut, which, uh. by the way, is uh, 
I'm, I'm, this is Vietnamese, so I'm sorry. I, I did my best to sound it out. And it, his name was Tuk Huang Duc. He was a Vietnamese, um, Maha, uh, he was a Vietnamese Buddhist monk. They have a specific one, M-A-H-A-Y-A-N-A, Buddhist monk, who burned himself to death on a busy street in, uh, in Saigon. Yeah. Uh, on the 11th of June, 1963, and he was protesting the prosecution of Buddhists by the South Vietnamese government. So, I mean, your thoughts? Um, man, I, I wouldn't go that far. I would not. If I was in that band, I, that might be something I would leave over. Really? Uh, I wouldn't want to ever go that far. Um, I agree with that. Unless I am through my music trying to send the same message as that Buddhist monk was. But are you okay with, I mean, but by the end of the day, you're trying to be an, an, a successful artist, which involves making money. That's true. Is that kosher? Let's say if you release the album for nothing, I think you've got more, more room to talk. Yeah, but you at the end of the day, you boil down everything else, take it away. You're still at the end of the day. You're trying to walk away with the profit. It would not be. It would never be on album artwork. It wouldn't be in that type of scenario. I wouldn't do it to sell more. I would if I was already famous. Like, you know, try and at shows like talk about it and if that was a issue that was pressing to me but no imagery like that and yeah that's too far it's very that's too far he did it to himself he set himself yeah on fire yeah yeah, i've seen that that photo and read the story of it but yeah that i wouldn't i don't think it's kosher i don't i don't think it's kosher at all um i kind of agree like if i if I was in a band and they were like pushing, like, no, this is what we're going. Like I'm out. Yeah. I'm not doing this. Like, uh, maybe like if there was a drawing, like I, I could see myself making some kind of art depicting it in some way to like, if, if, you know, if I deemed such a thing in like in a high regard, and I don't, I don't know enough about what happened there to really have an opinion on it with the, yeah. with the yeah. monk. Um, but let's say, something similar I had very high regard for. I would make some kind of artwork depicting it, like how I view it, which I might use as the album artwork, but it would certainly not be a picture of somebody burning themselves to death. I wouldn't, I I would have more respect for instead of album artwork. If you know how on like certain music videos, if there, there is a point to that specific song about an issue they're trying to uh, portray. And the like kind of slide, you know, showing different clips of examples of like something that's happening that they're mad about. I think Peter Gabriel did something with the song Biko. Yeah, I could see it in one of those, you know, uh, compilation like style music videos. I I think that I'm leaning more towards that being okay because if. And I think even still then to make it. where I would still be comfortable with it, there would be a amount of proceeds going somewhere. Yeah, definitely. Probably towards that person's vision. Mm-hmm. But of course, I would have to be behind the vision. Um, 
Yeah, but, that's what I'm saying. If yeah, if, yeah, yeah, okay. if that was part of the issue that you were wrote the song about and that's the message you were also trying to portray, then I could see that being in like a compilation style music video, but uh, help my work. Uh, I don't yeah. think every one of their songs on that album is about the same message that that monk was trying to portray. No. Yeah. Especially cause I don't even know if like uh, rage against the machine. Uh, I don't, I don't know where that song fits in. Yeah. Or what song that goes with. And I don't think it's the whole album. Yeah. It's just one rage against the machine, but two. Yeah. I, I Nah, it's too fun. It's too much for me. I don't care yeah. about, uh, I, I like fun gimmicks, like the whole kiss thing I think is like fantastic. It's not, oh, yeah. it's not really for me to do that way. I'd like a cool stage show, but, um, there, yeah, what is going to, what also we're going to ready to walk into, uh, yeah, I think it's way too far, way too far. Yeah. So that is topic number one. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, in uh, later on in 1987, uh, the band, so they would kind of like trade out members. Uh, Maniac would leave in 1987, and then uh, later on, the uh, they would find their new drummer and vocalist through uh, Death Crush. Like that would circulate around, became a you know that demo got a, that EP got a name for itself, ah. and attracted the two new members we're going to talk about now. Beginning with dead, as in he called himself dead. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, Is he just the most liveliest person you ever met? Well, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so there's two conversation topics really close together. So (laughs) it's so terrible. I love that part. (laughs) We'll bring back. I thought you would like it. I like like that. I like that. Um, so second conversation topic of the story, Joe, Mm. say you're looking to get into a somewhat established band. Okay. You really need to stand out. How do you get their attention? What do you do? A semi established band. Like it's so it's, you know, you're not really kind of like an established band. You can realistic, you can realistically get into. So it's not like me and you auditioning for Metallica right now. Okay. It's like, say there was a band similar to like, let's say other world been around for like five, you know, going on six years. Actually, it'll be six years this year. Halloween. Okay. So like, like the band they, they've, got a, yeah. they've got a decent name for themselves. Like people okay. know who they are. It's not, it wouldn't be an impossible um, task, but it's also not like a new band. Like they can pick and choose basically. Okay. Um, I mean, I would have, Make sure I have some uh, YouTube nowadays, at least. All right. Have yeah. some YouTube and Spotify. Okay. Modern, speaking in modern day, so yeah. some kind of reference for your material. Exactly. I would have some, make sure to have some YouTube and Spotify up and available. And I'd start going to their shows. And, you know, get my chance to start talking. I feel like I'm a friendly guy. I can start talking to people. And uh, I feel like I eventually like, hey, yeah, you know, you guys are. If you're looking for, uh, you know, uh, more band members, then, you know, I do this. Check out. You can check me out on Spotify and YouTube and and see if uh, I'd be a good fit on what on on my chops. And I can vouch for that because it's exactly what you did. Exactly. (laughs) So he's telling the truth, guys. He's telling the truth. (laughs) 
Um, so or, let me let me throw out another option for you. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, in 1988, Euronymous would receive a package containing a crucified, rotten, dead mouse and a demo tape of Dead's old band, Morbid. Um, so you're, you're asking if I, if I were to receive, uh, such thing from someone who's trying to join my band, uh, yeah, let's no, say, yeah, uh, that's a negative, um, <laughs> that's a negatory, uh, they would get, they would receive a restraining order. <laughs> oh no, no, no. <laughs> First one of the night. That's yeah. No, I think, you know, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, if you send me things dead. Uh, that's not like a rose, then eh, we may have problems. Even a rose, you just open a box that's a dead rose and a cassette tape. Yeah, it might be cool if it was like pressed. <laughs> You're a far more adventurous man than I am. Yeah, you know, it, I it, close the box, likely burn it for whatever, like whatever, like a uh, unholy things going on there. Yeah, release the spirits. Yeah, yeah, set them free, salt it, burn it. You know the works. Um. So uh, this was meant to be Dead's audition tape. So this is a demo tape of his old band. Mm. And, uh, well, it worked. <laughs> Eventually, uh, you know, they would talk back and forth uh, through a correspondent. And then uh, Dead would leave school and his family. He was from Sweden. And uh, moved to Norway, which eventually they got into a house together. Uh, which brings us to our third topic imagine guitar sound effect here mm. um how nightmarish would it be to live to, in a house together as a band rehearse uh and live in the same spot let's just say indefinitely because we don't know how long they were going to stay oh. in the house they moved into they by the way just to sum up real quick they moved into a house in the country together to rehearse and live because they're i mean they're all broke yeah and they've got this like between four guys, they're spending like twelve hundred something dollars in rent because it's a it's a two story, pretty big house. It's enough for four people for sure. But um, yeah, it's a, it's kind of a house randomly in the woods. I can tell you uh, that I kind of already experienced this. Um, I used to have a band uh, with a guy that I call my brother, even though we weren't really related. Right. Uh, with him on guitar. I played guitar and sang. My mom was on bass, and then a friend of mine was the drummer. Uh, the guitarist and I, that I called my brother, we lived in the same apartment together and then eventually moved into a trailer together. And uh, we also were in the band together, and we also worked at the same place. Oh, Jesus Christ. We had the same job. So it was, you know, go to work, seeing him there. Going already, home, already seeing, seeing him there. <laughs> Going to band practice, seeing him there. And uh, there is such thing of too much of someone. Does, oh, no, it all went wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter how much you love someone. You can, oh, the, there is that line of too much. I need my space. I need to look up and not see you there for like 10 minutes. Like. <laughs> yeah, it, even if it's like all the time, it was literally all the time, dude. The I, only time I had peace oof. is when I was shitting. <laughs> For hours, he would find himself on the toilet. Uh, the solace. Yeah. So, 
that and that really took a strain on our friendship. I mean, we uh, he ended up moving out of the trailer because uh, I was making most of the income, so I was paying for most of it anyway. Uh, but yeah, it it really put a strain on us, and I couldn't imagine. Yeah, it, three other guys. You know, two other guys. You really have to have a just like with a, a significant other relationship. You really have to have like you learn a lot of things when you move in with someone that you don't know when just like hanging out. Once you live together, mm-hmm. you learn so much more uh, habits they may, that you may not have uh, noticed right earlier. Yeah. That can definitely put, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I don't think I could live with you guys. I love you guys. I don't know if I could live with you. Hello, I'm a sophisticate, and so can you. Is the name of our podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony. And I'm another of your hosts, Sydney. And we're two queer millennials with ADHD. Who have been lying about our own cultural literacy. If you've ever been in a situation where you pretended to know more than you do about an important movie or a piece of literature. Yeah, or like a super cool band. Then this is the show for you. This is a show where we engage with the canon so that you don't have to. Topics for discussion will include such things as Is Carrie Brownstein the coolest person? Can anyone who likes the movie Chinatown be trusted? Why, Tom Waits, why? All of these questions and more will be answered on every episode of I'm a Sophisticate and So Can You. Available wherever you find your podcast. So we're going to learn about dead first. Uh, man, Per Ingve Orlin, or they would sometimes call him Pele. Um, we're just going to call him dead because that's what he called himself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was born in Sweden in January, on January 16th, 1969. Um, just to kind of sum him up. Cause he's, he's a, he's a character. He's a, there's a lot to him, but to kind of sum up to the part that we're nearby uh, or getting to where he joins uh, mayhem, multiple sources claim that he was fascinated with death due to a near death experience he had when he was like 10. Mm. He suffered a lot of internal bleeding when his spleen ruptured after what he claimed was a skating accident. But later it is, uh, it is believed to be the result of being beaten like, shitless by bullies in school oh wow uh like they just went way you know any yeah just just getting bullied to the point where like they're just beating on him and then uh going just over way overboard beyond Mm. just kind of like your typical you know giving somebody a hard time like trying to kill this poor kid and uh because of the injury he was rushed to the hospital where he was actually declared clinically dead for a minute like a, a couple like a I don't know how long exactly, but uh, I believe it was over a minute. Wow. So basically he would, uh, from this, he would, he believed he had like an out of body experience. Like he, you know, he wrote about the things he saw or believed he saw and he was never the same afterwards. Like he, he became literally obsessed with the idea of like what death was. And not yeah. even really in like a philosophical way. 
Because you know, because there are some people where it's just like, yeah, just you know, studying the the psychology of death on the human mind, or philosophically, yeah, yeah. what does it mean? Like, what happens afterwards? Not something as like, I don't know, as I want to say educational, but not not anything as uh, philosophical as that. Just like death, dead things. This is heavy. Like, wow, he's really he's really more towards that side. It's not. Yeah, it, it influenced everything about him. And uh, another topic for you, uh, just kind of briefly, when you are about to record or go on stage, what's your like routine or mantra before you hit the stage or get into like you're about to record a big part for the album? What do you kind of do to get your, 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 the juices flowing? Oh, well, you know, your typical stuff, like pushing old people into the street. Uh, of course it's standard. you know you're you're, you're typical any guitarist. level of metal like once you get past uh, creed that's just standard <laughs> you know only like you know nickelback's heaviest album and up uh no which, I, which nowadays is actually kind of heavy oh i i really don't like it their newest <laughs> i uh, know san Quentin. <laughs> oh I, I really don't like it i don't either it's really not that much heavier than what they were doing before. San Quentin. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, what I, uh, I mean, I, I run, I like to run through, uh, especially when we play, um, when we played this last show at the central Florida metal fest, uh, I just pick like our fastest riff and our fastest song. Yeah. And I just keep playing that. Okay. And like, you know, literally like, warm up. Yeah. The, the fastest, the faster licks, you know, uh, but I pick one for my left hand and one for my right hand. Okay. Any, uh, any mental things to brace yourself? Um, it's, I can't think about it. Okay. That's fair. I don't really like to think about what I'm playing either. Or I'll mess up. Yeah. It, it's, it's not even like what I'm playing. I think about what I'm playing and I just think about that. Okay. It's odd, but I love being on stage, but I also have a mild stage fright. It's exciting. Yeah. That's yeah. the, it's the, uh, am I going to really fuck it up here? Like it's, uh, yeah. Fuck it up in a bad way, by the way. Um, it's like being afraid of heights and an adrenaline junkie. You don't know what to do. That's a, I think it's a fair analogy. Yeah. No, it is. It is, a uh, as a person who considers himself an introvert, I consider myself yeah. that way. Um, yeah, I just I, I kind of lean more towards like I'm gonna make people maybe crack some jokes or like uh uh I don't I don't follow the whole standard on stage persona of a bass players uh because yeah. you might as well be uh might as well be a flatliner or uh to um metalheads metalhead bass like just metalheads in general just like the you know frown as hard as you can man frown no I, I'm having a good time. <laughs> Yeah. I'm just smiling ear to ear. Uh, no, I'm having, they're having a great time. If I wasn't having a great time, like why is anybody else there? No one's, no one's there to watch anybody be miserable except Marilyn Manson fans. Yeah. So, but anyway, might I offer uh, burying your stage clothes in the ground until they kind of lightly rot and then digging them up and putting them on before going on stage. Um, hmm. yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to do that. Not really feeling it. All uh, right. How, how about the, the, maybe this one? Okay. Okay. This one. Yeah. 
Uh, new drummer, Hellhammer, the one they got later on, the, the one who stayed pretty much the rest of the time of the story. Hellhammer um, said that uh, Dead apparently kept bags of dead animals around that he would open and inhale before going on stage to basically take in the essence of death. He would keep dead animals <laughs> under his bed. Oh my God. He just had this like light collection of non, basically I'm going to get to it taxidermy, but without doing the taxidermy, just literally just dead animals, apparently specifically geese. Um, he had a, allegedly a collection of those, but like a, a one of this was a, was a dead crow in a bag. They just like tough and then go on stage wow. to be like immersed in the essence of death. Thoughts. Jeez. That is, uh, God, I mean, I guess I could do that. A similar thing with, <laughs> with our, like, uh, what mantra of the bag of our Taco band. Bell's pretty close. <laughs> I was going to say like our, our kind of, oh, that's a good gordita. Like our theme in other world is like, we're like oceanic kind of, you know, okay, we yeah. stick to those kind of themes. And so I can just like, keep like just a jar of like a Mason jar of salt water and just, <laughs> yeah, the ocean breeze and plastic drink tabs still. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess that'd be a like the closest. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Sorry. I just eat like, yeah, only jellyfish tacos, and that's about it. What? Oh, yeah, that's the thing you can buy. What? what? You can eat jellyfish. Jellyfish tacos? Yeah. From where? Eh, it's hard to find, but you it's legal in the <laughs> oh, okay. U.S. All right. I mean, it's not like you're Come your on, local you deli. Some, some, some shady people, you know? Yeah, some... I mean, you don't find it in, like, your Publix, but it's there. The next question is why? <laughs> What's the nutritional value on a jellyfish? Oh, uh, nothing. There can't be any. There's no way. <laughs> but like, you know, it's like salad. It's mostly water. <laughs> <laughs> it's really the ingredients in salad that you get. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh God, I don't even know. Like, why? That's that's. He's really trying to embrace his name, his given name. <laughs> Yes. Peeling, peeling the curtain back just a little bit. So, so me and Dakota will tag team the research. So okay. maybe sometimes she'll bulk it out or I'll bulk it out and the other one will come in and kind of clean it up. You know, we'll go back and forth yeah, that yeah. way. But we'll leave each other notes on things to change. And we're at the part where it's like, where I made the notes of uh, death inspired dead's lyrics. And the note off to the side says, I'm shocked. (laughs) (laughs) Dakota actually has a pretty good sense of humor. It's very funny. Oh my God. I I read that while you were talking. I I couldn't keep that to myself. It's so fucking funny. Because I hear her saying it. Oh, man. So, uh, death inspired Dead's lyrics and uh, antics, which include the corpse paint, which, if you're not familiar, is basically a white base, kind of like the kiss makeup, sort of. Mm. Somehow more aggressive. 
Like no one's the rock star or the cat. Yeah. Maybe an alien, but like a, some evil alien thing, usually white and black, but sometimes there'll be red or other colors. Like I said, there's yeah. outliers to yeah. everything. But, um, dead coined the term corpse paint and was one of the reasons that it got kind of pulled towards black metal. Mm. So other people were kind of doing it in other spheres, but, uh, death, sorry, dead was the one that brought it to like black metal. Uh, so, uh, early corpse paint was, uh, was meant simply to highlight an individual's features to make them look dead. So like really exaggerated, like, you know, deep eye sockets or, um, sometimes the lips, like line, heavy lines on the face. Like he, yeah. everybody would have yeah. their own kind of like war paint, if you will. So later in 1988, uh, John, John Axel Hellhammer Blomberg becomes the band new drummer. We mentioned him before, okay, yeah, but he yeah. joins in 88. Who is known for his double bass technique? He wasn't, uh, he wasn't as much of a character as dead. So that was, that was Hellhammer. Okay. Uh, so Euronymous used to be the one who did most of the lyrics, but uh, he thought that Dead was better at it, so he handed the lyric duties over to him because he wrote, I mean, the mindset of somebody like that who's like living at like 11 extreme all the time, like metal wasn't just a, a, a taste, it was a lifestyle, literally, for this guy. He wanted to embody everything that was, you know, black metal and death. Uh, and uh you know that guy's gonna have some lyrics and if you're euronymous you that's exactly what you're looking for and you're going to kind of like take yeah, that you're yeah. gonna take that for a ride by the way if you hear jingling that's ziggy she's making sure we're, we're working as hard as we can we are ziggy i promise please put away the chains <laughs> uh Aside from death, uh, Dead would also write about the occult as well. He was into the whole Satanism thing. Really? You don't say. <laughs> you don't say, yeah. I know it's it's really kind of confusing with death and dead in black metal and stuff like that. A lot of those terms get thrown around a lot. I'm doing my best to separate them because I want to just keep calling him death. Okay. But he is. Yeah. His name is Dead. So one of the things that would be kind of a problem for the band is that Euronymous was a perfectionist. Despite horrible taste and font and layout and CD design and everything else that comes with making a, a, a visually pleasing product in the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was a perfectionist. Uh, and in his mind, he had this idea of perfection of what uh, black metal was going to be for them. And they would rewrite songs over and over and over until they until he decided they couldn't do it anymore. Mm. We go through a pretty rigorous uh, song process if we don't individually have songs that we rewrite over and over and over before we yeah. present them to yeah. the rest of the bandmates. And then even then, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes um, I consider myself open to a lot of criticism and stuff. But when you've, when you've um, especially with a song, when you've had it for so long, for example, like Waters Await for me, it was tough to hear criticisms about that one because I'd had it yeah. for like five years. I had this idea of what it was going to be, but that's just part of being in a band. You got people that uh, they'll hear something and then the song will become usually better as a result. And I try to think of it that way. Yeah. I'm, I'm very much uh, open to the, well, if it sounds better, I, I don't care. Right. I, I just want it to sound as best as we can do. And 
that is the only criteria that I'm my judgment on what we're writing is based on. De- uh, sorry, Euronymous would, you know, they would, they would spend a lot of time reworking music over and over and over again. And Euronymous and death would argue over the length of how long it would take to release music because they were inactive. Like they didn't play a gig for two years. So when mm. Hellhammer and dead joined the band, they wouldn't gig with mayhem for two years. So in 88, they joined and they wouldn't gig until we're getting into the nineties, like 1990. Yeah. Which is insane. So now we're two years into the main lineup, the main players of our, well, most of the main players of our story. Uh, Some come a little bit later, but we're in the nineties now and they, they're finally going to play a live show and uh, dead would take these shows to insane levels, like what they would do on stage. Oh, right. Um, What's the most like, What's the heaviest metal show you've ever seen? Like what happened? I've ever seen. Ever seen. Like what, like, you know, if it's a stage gimmick, if it's, you know, Rammstein, what was the most insane, like what the fuck moment at a live show you've ever had? Um, I, I haven't honestly had uh, too many because I haven't gotten into the heavier side of metal till honestly, like I started playing with you guys. I was more uh, hard rock and uh the lighter side of metal so i mean besides like disturbed and uh just the pyrotechnics of it all uh yeah a lot of fire but that's probably like the the worst i've seen of like what the hell is going on um briefly and this is a as a tale for another day um you know, we were on a happy hour podcast and we talked about um, the best and worst shows we've ever played. Yes, into. yes. There's one I'll need to tell them in like more detail. Uh, but uh, the probably the weirdest, maybe not the worst, but the weirdest show I've ever seen was we were playing at a skate park or something like that in Tampa. It was a, it was a skate park, but they turned it into a venue. The worst bathrooms I've ever seen at a metal show, by the way. Mm. which is saying something. Yeah. Uh, but we get to the venue and we're the second band on. And while we're there, the entire stage looks like it's been set up by Dexter. There's plastic covering everything like thick tarpy plastic, clear plastic oh. taped over everything. Like to make sure like nothing gets on the actual floor and like the walls. Right. Yeah. So I go in, you know, we're there like, whoa, fuck, what is this? And then this guy comes in. He's wearing a full body suit and like a metal helmet kind of thing. I don't know how to describe it. I'll have to look at, I think they called himself metal face. I'll have to look at what this guy was called. I don't know if I will, I'll be able to find it. It's like a dream, but it happened. He wore this this helmet that looked like it was made out of like scrap metals, like smooth in the front. Do you know the Rocketeer mask, the helmet from the movie? Yeah. Where it kind of had that long fin that would totally break your neck. Yeah. But um so he he had it's kind of like that. It was smooth in the front. And then there's just like metal shards mm-hmm. coming out of the back, and his face was covered. 
And he spent the next 30 minutes smashing and he had like metal on his gloves too. It was like a walking pile of scrap metal was his whole gig. Hmm. But it was actual metal. And he spent 30 minutes breaking plates over his face, like into the mask and like making sounds like brushing up against walls and like rubbing broken shards of plate on his face and like hands, no music, no nothing that for 30 minutes. The fuck? Yeah. What? Uh, You'll probably hear that story again. I gotta, I gotta tell a, a happy hour unless you're listening guys. If you are listening, we had a fucking blast on your show. Yeah, check that was out. awesome. Check out their show in general, but ding, ding, burr. You'll know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> Good times. Um, yeah, so that was the most what the fuck show I've ever seen. These dudes make that look like Peppa Pig. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, and also briefly summarizing, we remember they moved into a house together. They're, hard, they're having a hard time in this house because it's kind of like you said, they're kind of not being able to stand each other, especially Euronymous and Dead. Yeah. Like they're, they're, I swear, Ziggy, we're working. Um, oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> She's angry. I want to be able to eat tonight. <laughs> I guess no, no rations today. February 3rd, 1990, Mayhem would finally play a live show with this lineup in uh, Jessam, Norway. The audience would have no idea this was happening. This is already a pretty met heavy crowd of what I've heard was a couple hundred people. Oh, big show. Yeah. It's a big local show, especially if you're a Tampa band. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying, guys? We need to go to Norway. (laughs) Norway. I promise you we'll put on a good show, but we need help getting there. Yeah. Um, so when they would sell, you're an audience member, you walk in, you look at the stage and you see real pig heads on stakes scattered amongst the stage, like on stakes as props. And they would get swung around. So bits of pig flesh are being thrown into the audience. So at one point, uh, dead also tried to cut his arm with a knife on stage. The, I think necro butcher was one of the ones who was like, okay, we'll do it. But he gave him like a prop knife. The knife was dull. You know, he, he was hoping this was going to be some kind of a stage gimmicky thing. Like maybe it's fake blood or whatever. Mm. I think that's a bit much. But if it's fake, it's a show. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he cut himself. He actually did kind of cut himself with a knife, but that wasn't doing it for him. So he broke a beer bottle and he slashed his arm open. Oh. And like would intended to like throw blood on the front audience. Like who was closest to the stage. Uh, they immediately had to wrap his, his arm in whatever they could find. By the way, at a, at, a, at a metal fucking show, you're going to get tetanus. Like uh, a dirty shirt, uh, the drummer's sweat rag, <laughs> you know, somebody's were they, socks. Were they like not aware of like hepatitis at all? Uh, well, Dead didn't give a shit. The front audience, like they said that some shows would begin with like a couple hundred people. The number was 300, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, a couple hundred people, a lot of people. And they said by the end, there would be like 30 left. Wow. Because a lot of people would go, even like your your metal people are like, what the fuck is this? And I don't care how metal I am. No. I don't want other people's fluids on me. Nope. No. That's fucking disgusting. Doesn't matter if it's coming from your body. I mean, like accidental accidental sweat because I'm too close. Right. I'll step back. That's the 40 experience. 
Yeah. But uh, anything beyond that, no, I'm, I'm leaving. Like I, I'm not, I probably wouldn't even go to this in the first place just by looking at the poster, but yeah. So this was like a six, a six gig tour. They had planned out throughout Europe. Uh, they would only wind up paying, playing four of them because two of them got just canceled last minute. So they traveled all the way there to find out the gig was canceled. Wow. Only one of them paid uh, and not the asking price basically for six gigs played four. So let's say four gigs. They made a hundred dollars. Going all oh, over Europe. Wow. Sometimes not eating, sometimes not showering. This is over the course of a couple of weeks. You know, they are broke, 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 broke. And this tour, this tour kind of led to the beginning of the end. Oh, no, it all went wrong. For this band. <laughs> I'm guessing it didn't really use Neosporin that much. No. Um, so after the tour, there would be a lot of infighting, as you can imagine. Yeah, there's a lot of effort that goes into tour, and they, they they really got screwed. And no matter, I mean, bad uh, bad shows, you know, bad music. I don't really like the music aside. Um, I do feel for them when it comes to this tour thing because it's so hard. Yeah, that's it's your own money going forward. They're not signed. I don't care. What about uh, Cope, po- Poser Corpse Records? Uh, <laughs> they don't have any money. You know what I mean? A lot of that stuff too, when you're signed, is up to you anyway. Yeah. Like you gotta front that anyway and just hope you make it back in merch sales, which sometimes they want a part of. Yeah. It's 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 uh, it's a cruel world. It's a, it is a tough racket uh to be in a pro band. I, I don't even know the I'm I'm I guess I'm closer to seeing some of that, but we're certainly not a pro band. But uh it's not all that appealing sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Um, we just really like making music. So the band wouldn't play again for a while. I think about a year, a little over. Uh, which Euronymous would spend planning to open a record shop under his new, his relabeled uh, record company, Deathlike Silence Production. Nice. So he's not even trying to write new music. He's trying to open a record store. He's like, this is going to be my big break, guys. This is what we're going to use to fund the next tour with, you know, this super niche music. Wow. So um, during this period, Dead's mental state kind of took a a real bad downturn because he, you know, he wanted to play and he wanted to, you know, he wanted to be out live and he was something about him. He just, he just really wanted to be making this music and stuff like that and not doing it. Like, I guess not having that release really messed with him in a big way. Yeah. Um, Cause you can imagine Euronymous is kind of the, the, the head guy for this uh, band. Like it's kind of like what he says goes. It's yeah. generally most bands kind of have that guy and not even in a bad way. It's just kind of like having a foreman, you know, and maybe this is different for Norway, but certainly in America, like his dad even was like, Hey, you can go to art school. Just come home. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and if you're and if like let's say like my dad like let's say I joined some, some band like this and was off in some other like country or far off state or something like that living like this and my family was worried, my dad called and he's like, "Listen, you you can you can go to art school. I just want you home." <laughs> mm. That is a level of desperation. That is, that's a wake up. That's, yeah. That's ooh. Maybe I need to go. <laughs> yeah. 
maybe it's different in Norway, but it was certainly in America. Like, and I think it's kind of sad because I do love art. Uh, I love making art. I love drawing. Um, it it is kind of sad that art school is kind of a fucking joke. Yeah. Um, it's that is even riskier than being in a band. I think because there's more money involved up front, but. So in this time, uh, he didn't go home. He stayed and he became kind of a recluse. Like he just kind of really drew into himself. And um, and, th- and this is where we get pretty heavy again. So again, warnings, graphic, three, two, one. On April 8th, 1991, most of the, you know, at this time, it was around Easter. Most of the band kind of like went home for their respective Easter holidays. <laughs> I I don't. You know, maybe they just they're doing it for mom and dad. I don't know, but most base um uh dad had nowhere to go because this is his home's in Sweden and he couldn't make it all the way back or just chose not to. So he was still in the old house by the woods by himself in the in the woods by himself. Okay. While the rest of the band was gone. So he was left home over that like weekend. And uh based on what was found, uh on April 8th, 1991, he attempted to slash his wrists in the woods, uh, but ultimately came back inside and uh, took a shotgun to the forehead. Oh. And did himself in. Okay. So, uh, yeah, he was 22 when he did this. Wow. He was 19 in the beginning. Jeez, that's super young. Yeah, wait. It's I mean, there's never any time is too young, but 22, man. He had so much. He could he could have turned that shit around. He had so much time. Yeah. I mean, you can at any age, and it's not what I'm saying. It's just the amount of potential he had. I mean, uh, at that at such a young age. Uh the guy who played uh you know, you know the in the movie School of Rock. Yeah. Uh, the band that Jack Black was a part of in the beginning of the movie. Um, the guy who played Spider that took Jack Black's place. And, uh, oh, the, the, the just sleeve leather vest, yeah, the leather yeah. jacket guy. Yeah, that yeah. does like the wave, yeah, the yeah, worm yeah, yeah, standing yeah, yeah. up. Uh, he became a member of like a government. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So you can turn your life around. It's never too late. <laughs> just letting you know that right now. I needed that. Thank you. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so I, no matter how far th- you think you've gone, you can turn your life around. Yeah. So reiterating again, just suicide is just not, it's not an answer. It's such a selfish thing. Really. It's really about the people you leave behind in that situation. Um, mm. and it's never worth it. You are worth getting help. So please, if you're in your dark spot, get help, please. It again, no shame in that, uh, by any means. So basically, this happened, I believe, on a Friday. Uh, I believe the eighth was a Friday because Euronymous came back that weekend to check on him and he couldn't get inside because Dead was the only one with a key to the house. Yeah. So Euronymous left and he came back like that Monday, I think, and he tried to get in, couldn't get in. So he took a ladder. And he posted it up on like the second floor and he climbed the ladder to get into the house. And then that's when he saw the scene, like he saw dead's body. Oh, wow. So instead of doing what you're supposed to do, um, immediately call the police. Uh, you know, he's, you know, he's dead. 
like he's he's gone and so you immediately call the, you should immediately call the police but Euronymous had a different idea he went back outside got in his car drove to town bought a disposable camera mm. went back to the house and uh rearranged the body with the shotgun and took pictures of it God. What mental state do you have to be in to like think that's okay? I think you could almost ex- not really, but if you could excuse anything, maybe like touching the body or something like that, and like a, just a I can't imagine seeing that scene. Uh, but uh, just some kind of shock, if you will. But uh, he got in his truck exactly, car, drove all the way to town, and they were in the country, so it's like. 20, 30 minutes at least. And so double that. One way. You're, you're at damn near an hour. At any point, can, can get to, if he got to town, came to his senses and called the fucking police. If he came back mm-hmm. to the house an hour yeah. later, yeah. went in the house, called the fucking police. It's like, okay, I was in fucking shock. And I think you could explain that away. You know what I mean? Yeah. But no, he took pictures of it. And like, a, and it was, he took pictures of this, uh, took this 11 steps higher and he even collected pieces of the bits of his skull that were around. God. And like put it in like bags and stuff. That uh, apparently he would make into necklaces and give to only the black metal elites that he deemed worthy. Jesus. Yeah. You know, uh, the imagery of the burning monk. Uh, not as bad as that. <laughs> like, that's going too far. This is going way too far past it. Like, you don't even see the line behind you. You've just driven for miles past it. Yeah. Yeah. So, the only other line you see is the horizon. <laughs> you're, you're on a road trip past what's okay. Yeah. So, uh, I don't have words for it. Like, he collected pieces of the skull. I didn't say how many, but of, like, you picked them out of bits of gray. You know, the, the meat that was on the ground. Uh, and then God. he would give them, he'd make them into necklaces later. And uh, Dead left a suicide note that said, excuse all the blood. And it also said, nobody will ever understand this. But as a short explanation, I am not human. This is only a dream. And soon I will awake. Uh, later on, it was revealed there was another little bit more that said, I didn't come up with this now, but 17 years ago. So I guess he decided this was going to happen when he was, if he was 22, five, well, five. Yeah. I don't quite understand that last bit, but that's apparently what the notes said. Um, so attached to the notes were the lyrics to the song life eternal and, uh, necro butcher, uh, said you know the the bass player said that Euronymous called him uh called him hours later i think maybe in a couple name a day or so later and said so this is Euronymous talking to necro butcher yeah uh Euronymous said dead has done something really cool he killed himself and then uh this is a quote from necro butcher i thought have you lost it what do you mean uh, what do you mean cool he says relax i have photos of everything I was in shock and grief. He was just thinking about how to exploit it. So I told him, okay, don't even fucking call me before you destroy those pictures. So Necro Butcher 
this would fuck Necro Butcher up. Like, uh, cause he was like, you know, he was probably like the normal amount of like, I'm into heavy metal extreme type thing. Yeah. Uh, but he, this was a line, like you're saying the line was like two States ago. Yeah. Uh, and Necro Butcher would uh, quit uh, mayhem at this, like pretty soon after this, like he was the only one of the band members that went to the funeral. Wow. Of, uh, cause I guess he and dead, I think he and dead were somewhat friends. Cause he said dead was, Dead was not the kind of guy you got to really be friends with because he was such a strange person. But I think, I think Necro Butcher, I guess, tried or at least they were friendly on some terms. They yeah. liked each other, I yeah. guess, enough to be in a band together. And then, yeah, like I, Necro Butcher was human enough to be like, no, you're fucking insane. Yeah. And he quit the band. He's the heavy metal guy that dresses like he's in IT. <laughs> you know, like you would never what expect that look, him. What does that look like? <laughs> You know, you got a button-up shirt that's like that really small plaid. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, uh, whether he needs it or not, glasses. Right, right. Uh, Red, you know, maybe. Slacks, uh, preferably coyote tan. <laughs> yeah. Whew. Um, so there's a there's a little bit that comes. So there, we're, we're about at the end of part one here. And uh, just to kind of set things up for what's coming, Euronymous would use Dead's death as a way to myth, uh, mytholo- well, create a mythology about the band. I think it's like mythologize, mytholo- mythologize. There you go. Fucking words, man. He would use this to mythologize the band and create its evil image. Down to he let rumors spread, maybe even spreading them himself, that he was the one that killed Dead. And Euronymous even claimed that Dead had killed himself because uh, black metal had become trendy and commercialized. Wow. So he, not only did he, like, take pictures, take fucking remains, he's also now talking mad shit. Jesus. About his former bandmate. Uh, I should mention, too, like, you were talked about earlier, being in the house, they were having a hard time living together. By this point, they fucking hated each other. I think... Uh, uh, I should have mentioned before that Euronymous would like almost goad him dead into like, you should, you should go ahead and do this. You should go wow. ahead and blah, 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 which is a fucking horrendous thing to say to somebody. Yeah. That is beyond low. Yeah. Uh, and Euronymous is a, is a real piece of shit he is a real piece of shit. Um, so the photos are going to come back. I'm going to tease that for part two, but that is kind of like to kind of come up to um, a conclusion. Uh, what are your thoughts about what you've heard so far? Like, what do you think of the genre? Um, how far dead, you know, some of the things we talked about, any like closing thoughts you came to mind? I, I do think that uh, they should just show his face in the dictionary next to the saying uh you went too far really <laughs> that is that is the best example of going too far that i've ever heard of <laughs> yeah 100 yeah 100%. yeah and oh, god i could never i would never tell someone like to kill themselves like that is oh and they actually did could you live with yourself afterwards i could yeah i mean unless it's a pedophile but they're almost not people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Regular people. People. Right. I, I, yeah, I could never do that. And 
God. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Even if I hated the person, like I'm not, I'm calling the cops. If right. I see it, I'm not, no pictures are being taken. And even if there's a delay in calling the cops, it's not a, it's, it's not driving back into town and taking pictures. I mean, that's, that's, that's straight up like sociopath or psychopath. Yeah. Euronymous is definitely there, a sociopath. There, you, there is definitely a disconnect yeah. with the real world and, you know, in the brain somewhere. But, you know, I, there are some black metal songs that I like. I don't remember the names, but there are a few. Hey, that's probably more than I like right now. Um, so that does bring part one to a close. Our next episode is our season finale for part of, so for, uh, for part one, for season one. You know, we started this basically right before my birthday last year. And uh, we're coming up on the last episode. I promise it is just as much. And if not, even kind of more fucking crazy than this episode. Oh, it is dense. But you're going to have to wait. You're going to have to wait till the till part two. I believe it's the 24th that will be coming out. Mm. I think we released the first episode the 25th last year. Mm. I think it was. So this is damn near to the year, you know, to the day, uh, a year from when it came out. Oh, yes. Um, I think everybody that's been listening so far, we're on like 2,100. We're over 2,100 downloads. And this is going really well. It's been a blast for this year. Mm-hmm. But I think we, we're we working on something for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Should uh, you feel pretty good about that one? Oh, yeah. Okay. So Christmas is it's more or less guaranteed. Um, that'll kind of be, uh, if there's something in November, I'm not sure. But we're, we're kind of going to take some downtime to work on infrastructure. Some cool things going for you. Yes. Um, and then come back, uh, I believe, late January was the plan. Yep. Uh, so we're going to take a little bit of time off, recharge, come back. Uh, really, really excited for uh, the stuff we've got planned for season two. Already got like six episodes planned for season two. Nice. And we're trying to go more international too. Like we've, we did a lot of metal season one. That was kind of cover ground. We're figuring out this whole podcast. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. But uh, it's what we know best. Yeah. Talk yeah. about what you know. But I want to get into some myths. I I want to go all over the world. Japanese, African. Uh, noise. Russian and all kinds. There's got, there's got to be music oh, yeah. history all over the place. And we're going to do some world trotting, hopefully more in season. Honestly, for the rest of the seasons, like we're going to, we're going to expand the bridges a little bit. There is no area safe. There's, there's no area. We, we will. There's no area. We won't explore. <laughs> I'll put our grubby little fingers on everything. Grubby little finger. <laughs> so, um, so the next episode will be the season one finale. Uh, the last regular episode anyway, besides some of the specials we might have. Um, we'll learn more about you, how Euronymous exploited dead suicide for his own selfish gains. And in the next episode, church burnings, Nazis, and murder. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh my. I had to. I had to. There was, this, <laughs> there was so much to that. Uh, so we're going to blow through the announcements. This episode's kind of been a little bit longer than uh, we've been trying to be lately. So uh we're gonna start this is our twitter shout outs for our other really really great shows i mean we mentioned mm. the happy hour podcast earlier you should be listening to them they're awesome we're on an episode of theirs i think it's called three bassist and ding ding Burr. nice so check out i think it's at happy hour pod three is their twitter handle um i believe so uh but we've got uh the inf- i've got um 
the Infectious Grooves podcast, which is at Infectious underscore pod. They talk about music and current events. They're real, you know, everybody we mention on the show, by the way, as far as our shout outs are really, really cool in the community. And it's one of the reasons we're shouting them out too, is they post stuff by other podcasts. And they're really, you know, it's, um, there's not a lot of like regular circulation for indie podcasts. Like, yeah, you know, you have your, apparently Kim Kardashian's doing a fucking true crime oh podcast. My God. Now. She's like, so I, I am really passionate about this case. I'm like, you haven't done a fucking lick of research. Hmm. <laughs> what the fuck kim kardashian needs a true crime podcast what the shit so much other stuff that she could talk about that i'm like okay that makes sense on a podcast yeah sure yeah sure so many other topics she could be like okay i could she, see her she doesn't even try that. to like try to you know try to uh i mean not that i have the most eloquent uh, eloquent of diction but no you know you, you would tighten it up a little bit yeah <laughs> you know, maybe elevate the language a little bit when you're talking about dead people um, I mean, we do our best here. Like I said, I, I mean, I talk the way I talk. I'm, a, I'm from a farm in Antioch, Florida. So, yeah. Um, well, near a farm. Wasn't born on one, but raised next to one. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, my God. But it's, it's really hard for indie podcasts to get that exposure out there. So, at Infectious Groove Podcast, uh, check them out. Or, sorry, at Infectious underscore pod. Great show. And then also the Petals of Support podcast. That's at Petals of Support. Petals with a T. P-E-T-A-L-S of uh, of support. And it's a podcast that offers life advice from a mom to anyone who needs a little extra love and support. So oh, that's nice, really nice. nice wholesome. That's really, really nice. Really wholesome. Uh, also a really great supporter of other shows and us. So listen to these shows and check them out. They will appreciate you just as much as we will and do. So, yeah. Uh, and uh, you can find us on Twitter and all of our socials. Uh, uh, our Twitter at uh, Phantom Jukebox underscore. Facebook at Phantom Jukebox. Instagram at Phantom Jukebox Podcast. And Twitter at Phantom Jukebox Podcast. We are also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Pandora, Podbean, all those, any of your major Where, streaming, wherever platforms. you find your podcast again, uh, five stars mean more to us than, you know, um, it helps us climb the algorithm like YouTube and, uh, goddamn algorithm and goddamn algorithm help us with the battle against the algorithm. I got to do it. Oh no, it all went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite button. We try, we try, we really try. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. That was a part one was a ride. Part two is the proper way to send out. Oh, my. Oh, my. So uh, thank you for listening. Thank you, Joe, for being here. Thank you, Ty, for giving me all these great, great experiences. (laughs) You're welcome. Uh, And I want to thank the audio wizardry of Kenny Grooms uh, for mixing and mastering our theme song. He did not mix and master this. Which is why it was, which why it's, tell? which why it sounds like it was recorded through a cardboard tube. <laughs> I had 45 minutes. I did my best, but that's why you need good engineers. Yes. That's why yes. we have Kenny. And I also want to thank the amazing work of uh, our social media sorceress, Dakota Galvin. Uh, been killing it lately. Uh, 
congratulations on the new job. And uh, yeah, one of the reasons we're at 2,100 downloads is uh, her hard work. Oh, yeah, getting us definitely. So, definitely. Again, that's it from us. And we will see you until next time.